much, Amelia, that powerful word proclaimed from the lips of the Apostle Paul to the Church of Corinth. Good morning. It is such a great joy to be here as we continue to proclaim that at First Baptist Church Carrollton, we are in a place of new beginning, filled with new possibility because in Jesus Christ, we are all new creations. What a joy it is to continue to be the senior pastor of this church, and thank you for your continued ministry to my family and me. You know, the other week, something occurred as I perused the aisles of a local bookstore. I found myself in the self-help section. Any of you ever checked out the titles of the self-help section? Interesting that so many of them had to do with the following word, power. It seems as though we as a people recognize the fact that we need power or better stated that we lack power. So how do we generate that power? Well, these authors said that whether it comes from yourself or right connectivity to others, you will find the power you need to live by. Look at the following titles of these books. The 48 Laws of Power. The Power of Now. Unlimited Power. And of course, the Power of Positive Thinking. You, like myself, might have read a few of these books, and that's okay. They are very helpful. But If they are proclaiming that all the power that we need is from ourselves or from others, I hate to break it to you, but I think they're a little bit wrong. You see, we as people have limitations, as do other people around us. We need access to an infinite source of power, for if we're honest, life And the demands that we place upon ourselves and others are exhausting. We will wear ourselves out, much less the person beside us. So where do we turn? To what do we go? I argue that there is nothing in earth that can give us this unlimited power. We need a supernatural phenomenon which gives us the ability and equal access to harness a power to live by. And according to the Bible, and specifically the gospel, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that infinite source of supernatural power. But throughout the history of the church, we have struggled struggled with how to define that power, and also struggled with how to know how to use that power. Author N.T. Wright, who was quoted at the top of your bulletin in the meditation section, said the following, what we say about death and resurrection gives shape and color to everything else. If we are not careful... We will offer merely a hope that is no longer a surprise, no longer able to transform lives and communities in the present, no longer generated by the resurrected resurrection of Jesus himself 
and looking forward to the promised new heavens and new earth. Wright is saying in as much that bold beliefs, especially the belief of resurrection that asserts power of life over death will be challenged. And that is precisely what happened in the church of Corinth. The issue of theological and actual resurrection of the human body is being challenged by critics within the church. They might be alluding to the larger Greek culture, which thought that the human body itself was evil. The spirit within a human being was constantly trying to escape, and that, in fact, was the point of death. Death allowed the spirit to escape into the afterlife where it was free and clear of the fleshly prison that kept it. To incorporate a resurrected body in the afterlife, according to Aristotle, and the like would be pure anathema. Or maybe it was something far more concrete. Perhaps in the church of Corinth, someone or some people had died, maybe unexpectedly. It left them reeling as a church body, and as such, critics took that as an opportunity to say, there is no bodily resurrection. Whatever the case was, it is clear that this key doctrine of resurrection is in jeopardy, and for that reason, Paul says it must be addressed. Why? Quite simply, because if there is no bodily resurrection, then there was no resurrected Savior in Jesus Christ. And if there was no resurrected Savior in Jesus Christ, then there is no gospel. And if there is no gospel, then there is no point to ministry or life itself. Don't you see? Understanding correctly the power of resurrection is key to our past, our present, and our future. It is meant to be, church, the power which you and I live by. But not just a power that is not articulated or doesn't have direct correlation to how we are to live our day to day. No, the power of resurrection influences you, or at least should influence me, every step of our walking, beginning with the very simply stated but important doctrine of reason. Yes, the power to live by with the resurrection starts with the power to reason. Don't you see, so many people are in the Christian faith, the Christian church, and they've never dared to ask why. Perhaps they think that such questions are inappropriate or not welcomed within the church. Hearkening back to the words of Lord Tennyson and the charge of the Light Brigade, they think that theirs is not to reason why, but theirs is to do and die. But that is not faith. For while it has great mystery, faith, faith has reason. Look no further than what happened according to four key 
different sources known as Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All of these authors say on that first Easter morning, something supernatural happened, which changed the course of our humanity. They say they encountered a risen Savior. And we look to those things and we say, perhaps, maybe, if it was just their word alone. But following on with Scripture, we in fact see direct outcomes because of an encounter with the risen Savior. Take no more than the historically documented explosion of the first century church, led by none other than those same bumbling, stumbling disciples who were of meager education and means, those who had fled from Jesus and his ministry because they themselves feared for their lives. But yet having encountered something, someone on that Easter Sunday, they return to look at the powers that be and proclaim boldly at the fear of death that Christ is alive. And any and all who ask for forgiveness of sin through the atonement of Jesus Christ will have right relationship with the Heavenly Father. From this gospel, the church exploded, becoming from a series of clandestine hidden meetings to being something that was so large and powerful that in 323 AD, Constantine, the emperor of the Roman Empire, said that it was now the official religion of the very nation that sought its destruction. Yes, historically, not just theologically, Resurrection gives us a power to live by and a strong power to reason. That's why Paul declared in the scripture, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. It's to say that in Christ, he is but the beginning of all that is to follow, that all who proclaim him as Savior will likewise not fear death, but will experience total, complete resurrection, which allows us, friends, to have complete clarity of what our mission is to be in the here and now. Here and this new beginning, I want to say to you, Very matter-of-factly, that the reason why we gather to worship is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The reason why we gather to study the Bible, to sing God's praises, to send out missionaries across the world is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That power allows us to harness our focus and know our purpose here and forevermore. Yes, it is the power that we live by. But the power we live by is not without its tests, you see. Because Jesus Christ bids us to come and die. In fact, in Luke 9, 23, he said the following, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. The way of Jesus 
is difficult. Self-denial and sacrifice are not only hard for ourselves, but they are in complete contradiction to the world in which we live that says, have it your way right away. You do you. If we were to rely on our own power to try to fulfill what was written by Luke 9, chapter 23, we would either fail miserably or hate this lifestyle completely. That is why we need the power of resurrection, which gives us what we need to not only live the life of Jesus, but find the joy that is intrinsic in this lifestyle. I don't know if you realize it or not, but us Christians are supposed to have a little fun. It's okay to smile and laugh. It's okay to let out an amen or a hallelujah because God is good all the time and all the time. Oh, that was so weak. (laughs) The power of the resurrection is our ability to live the life of Jesus and live a life that is to the full, overflowing, something so emotionally contagious that those around us cannot help but be felt and loved by it. Don't you see? It is the power we live by. And it also allows us to have great perspective for the trials of our life, which will be many as we follow Jesus, our Interesting in that they take necessary perspective. Paul writes later in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. That's only by the power of resurrection. And so too the words of James chapter 1, verse 2, when he said, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. There's only one power that's going to allow me to walk through a trial and come out on the other side smiling, and it's going to be the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because when I get to the other side, folks, I'm going to have a perspective that no matter what I faced in life, whether it be a test or a triumph, or whatever it might be, is only for an added chapter to my testimony, which declares the greatness of God and the love that God has for me and all of his children. The power to live by, folks, is always going to be in the power of the resurrection. And so, too, is the important fact that the power to hope itself is intrinsically tied to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul describes what a life of hopelessness looks like in chapter 15, verses 17 through 18. For he said, and if Christ has not been raised, our faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. A hopeless existence, if not for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Leading us to say that, as James Luter wrote, life, in fact, is a vapor. We are here one moment, we are gone the next. It can lead us to despair, asking, what could we possibly do with the short amount of time that we have that will be of any consequence beyond our own lifetime here 
on earth. But the power of resurrection gives us the power to hope that in working in partnership with Christ Jesus himself through his church, we leave a legacy that says life is precious, life is sacred, and life, my friends, is eternal forevermore. A power to hope is something that can only be received for the power of the resurrection. And as we embrace this hope, we also look for the eternal hope that will be revealed to us in our full glory. That when Christ comes again and bodily resurrection happens for every and all when the perishable becomes the imperishable when the corruptible becomes the incorruptible when that treasure that was hidden inside of a jar of clay is no longer shrouded in something fragile and breakable but is in itself revealed to be something everlasting and we stand in the presence of Christ Jesus the King we will see the fulfillment of Revelation 21.4. A verse that I've read at sick beds and deathbeds and gravesides, a word that says resurrection hope is real and will be realized as he, Jesus Christ, wipes away every tear from our eyes. For there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away glory hallelujah the hope of the gospel is so real that even in the here and now we are able to look with reason and with life and with faith and to say even though i hope even though there is cancer i hope even though there is alzheimer's i hope even though there is social racial economic injustice in the world, I hope. Even though there is pain beyond comprehension, I hope. Even though there is despair, mourning, suffering, I hope. And even though there is death itself, I hope, for we know that in Christ Jesus, when he comes again, death will be destroyed forever and always. So my friends, yes, we hope a power to live by, a power to reason by, a power that is here available in our very presence. And in the words of Paul himself, hope never disappoints. It is not uninformed. It is not unrealistic. It is not something that is beyond your ability to take hold of. This hope will never disappoint you because the love of God has been poured out within your heart through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I see faces here today, and I don't know who I'm preaching to, but somebody needs to grab hold of that hope today. You need to take hold of the resurrection, not just something that you believe. Check the box. No, it needs to become a personal reality to you that that power is something that you embrace and utilize every single day in your Christian living as we as a church seem to make it as it is on earth as it is in heaven. 
But that does not happen without decision. It does not happen without commitment. And so in the next moments we have away, I throw my arms out to you and I say any and all who want to come and take hold of the resurrection hope, whether it is by declaring Christ as Savior, whether it is by rededicating yourself to him, or whether it is about being a part of a church body that proclaims boldly the resurrection hope of Jesus Christ, I bid you Come now, do not wait another moment because the resurrection life is so good, you don't want to miss out for one more second. Therefore, church, let us stand and sing. 494, take my life and lead me, Lord. You respond as you feel led.